0: Let's get them going Matt Painter joins us Purdue basketball coach uh, great start to the season obviously for them nine and one and the number one team in the country coming into Indianapolis Purdue and in Arizona game bridge on Saturday and coach Painter joins us here on the pay less liquors hotline coach good morning how are you today sir.
1: Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. Thanks uh, well, for having me on. Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Like I said, 9-1 uh, and one in the season. And, and I'll commend you for the schedule you play in the non-con. And obviously, Arizona on Saturday is a piece of that just brutal uh, and challenging non-conference schedule. Uh, let's start. I guess let's start there. What is your thought when you're putting together a non-conference schedule like this? And what do you like about your team through 10 games? Thus far,
1: Yeah, you, you know, you try to handicap it as best as possible. Um, it's a little different. I think it's easier for us than it is for a lot of other people that are signing, you know, four to seven guys in the spring through the portal. Um, we've taken two guys out of the portal in three years, which is the fewest amount of people um, for a high major program in the country. So for us, it just stays consistent. If you think you're going to have a really good team, have a really good schedule. You know, if you think you're going to, you know, have some guys where you like your players, but you don't like your experience, and maybe you don't have, you know, quite like the Maui field, like you'll want to just be consistent with where you think you are. Now, sometimes you get surprised. You, You know, you want a positive surprise, not a negative surprise. But that it was much easier to do 10 years ago than it is today. But we just felt... With the team that we had, um, it might you know with Zach coming back, it just made a whole lot of sense to do that. But you really got it in place before that. So we've tried to build our schedule up and uh, just put ourselves in those positions. Obviously, we've had a lot of success you know, in some MTEs, in some non-conference stuff um, in the past three years. So just trying to be consistent, trying to get better um, as far as where we are with our team. You know, just trying to improve. Um, other night we. We had some – we played good defense and they made shots. Uh, we we didn't play good defense and they made shots. So, a little bit of both. I thought there was when I went and watched that we did some pretty good things and they made some tough ones. And then at other times we just had simple breakdowns, especially handling some screens. And we got to do a better job on the defensive end. Um, but I really liked our fight. I liked how we stayed with it. Um, we just kept coming. I, I like how Braden Smith's evolving into someone who can score the basketball – and, and that is what we need. Um, but we have a lot of guys. We, we have um, some guys that are starters that come off the bench for us. And uh, we can go a couple different directions with our front line. We can go a couple different directions with our backcourt. And I, I just really like our pieces and I like our makeup.
2: He's Matt Painter. He's with us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. We thank him for the, his time here on this Wednesday morning. Coach, specifically to Saturday, how did this game come about? Last year, you know, it was Davidson in this, you know, post kind of Crossroads right. Classic era. Specifically, how did Arizona become the opponent?
1: Yeah, well, we're going to return this one. Um, we'll, You know, we'll play them, I think, in Vegas next year. It's kind of, we're trying to evolve a tournament where you go to three different cities and play, then obviously going back to the, the West Coast for them. If you look at Arizona's, you know, schedule and you look at what they have, you know, they turn around after our game and play Alabama and Florida Atlantic after already playing some really, really good teams, too. So, you know, I think everybody is really trying to load up their schedule and, and do some different things. So, yeah, we we, we discussed it and, and talked about it and went back and forth. But I think you, you're seeing a lot of programs doing what Arizona is doing right now in, in terms of their schedule and trying to figure things out. Like, how can we do things? Sometimes people don't realize, like, you get into an MTE and you get into it like four or five, six years down the road but you don't always know, like, who's actually in the tournament. Like, you'll want to know if you can get in those MTEs and you can win your first game. A lot of people don't talk about this, but it really helps your net because once you win that first game in something like Maui, you're guaranteed to play, you know – Tennessee, you know, you're guaranteed to play Kansas or Marquette. Like, you know, that's – and even if you get cracked by a couple of those teams, one or two of those teams, you're still not going to get beat up on Selection Sunday because you lost to Kansas on a neutral court or you lost to Marquette on a neutral court. That's just not the way it works. And I think once people start to see that – now, you got to win some of those too. Like, you got to be able to win some of those. You just can't, you know, sign up for it, get your brains blown out, and then expect (laughs) you to be on Selection Sunday and feel good about it. you got to win them, like, you know, so when you schedule up, You know, now, like if you can get to where you can split some of those and then win your other games, you know, which sometimes becomes difficult, right? And like that's really when you can set your seat. I think we've been six or seven years in a row now, I don't know the years where we have a five seed or a better. There's only. Only Kansas has done that in the country. So Elliott Bloom handles our schedule and we, we really kind of sit down and kind of figure some things out. But we want to make sure that we're not on that negative side on Selection Sunday where they look at us and they say, hey, they got a good team. They got a lot of wins, but who the hell do they play? You know, we don't want that said about us. We want to be able to do that. And if you see with our seed line in the last five, six years, whenever it is, um we you know we've done a pre he's done a pretty good job with that. Obviously our players have done a great job because they're the ones that have to win the game. You
2: brought up Braden Smith earlier. I thought Saturday was I thought that was sectional eight, Braden Smith, yeah. and, and his score, no doubt.
1: No doubt. Yeah, you know,
2: his scoring going to another level. what do you recall about your first impressions and watching Braden?
1: Well, he people called about him and it was in COVID, so it wasn't like really fair because we had a commitment from somebody, but I had multiple people calling me saying you know, hey, he's a really good player. You know, hey, we can't take him. And then we had a kid decommit from us, and we jumped on him and watched him. And in the same time, like when something like that happens, we've had some real good success with that. We had a kid from the not decommit from us, and we got Carson Edwards. Now this kid from the Philadelphia area decommits from us, and we get Brayden Smith. So – uh, people that decommit from us is a, like a might be a silver lining. It might be. A, <laughs> we get,
0: no kidding! We get, goodness. Get,
1: yeah, they they need some votes to get in the <laughs> Purdue Hall of Fame, and um, and and just I watched four guys that were nationally ranked anywhere from about sixty to one hundred and fifty. You know, people that we felt like maybe we could jump in on a little bit late after this decommitment, and I watched him. So I just sat there one afternoon that I started saying, "Hey, man, like." The guy that's not ranked is better than all those guys that are ranked. I go, but it's film, right? Which, you know, you're watching it. It happened. It's whatever. But you like to see people versus competition. You like to see people in person. And in COVID, you just weren't going to see that. So I just started to do my homework. See, sometimes when you do your homework in recruiting, especially if you've got a lot of other people that talk to a lot of different coaches, I don't want people out there talking about what we're discussing because I, don't, I said, hey, man, this looks like this is the guy this looks like a, like a real player, like a guy that could step in right away. And obviously he broke his foot twice his senior year. So I just started calling a lot of different people, hopefully in confidence, trying to figure out just kind of his makeup and everything just checked off in terms of a competitor, a winner, tough, you know, his instincts are so good. You know, one, one guy or a college coach actually called him a basketball savant. And I was like, well, I, I know what that means. Like, you know, you're, you're more or less, You know, saying he's like a little baby genius out there running around, you know, the the way he thinks and the way he sees things. And he does. He has a really good feel. Now, sometimes guys like that that see everything, sometimes they see things that don't exist. So you got to make sure that they understand that it's the read, like, don't go in with determined thoughts. And he's just evolved that way. He's probably the only recruit where in the spring I picked up, and, you know, his dad's obviously in the in the basketball world. So pick up the phone and called his dad and just said, Hey man, we really got to work on him shooting the basketball. Like how many, how many times do you call parents and say, Hey, like, you know, if you're working him out, let's let's try to build up his confidence. Let's try to get him going to where he's got to shoot the basketball. Normally you get guys that take bad shots, you gotta curtail it, you gotta tell him this isn't what's best for Purdue. And you know, and you get into that field where this was the opposite. You know, he just wanted to set everybody up. He just wanted to be a, you know, just a total distributor. And we can't have that when people are playing all those drop coverages. Blitz and ball screens, switching things. you got to have a maestro out there that can manipulate all that. But if you're always looking to pass, they're just going to play you to pass. And he's really evolved in that area. But he's always been able to score. So it's always been there. If you watched him in high school, he'd take over the game. You know, if Hafner was making shots, he might not shoot as much. If, if he wasn't or somebody else wasn't going and then it was there for him, he'd take over and score. It was just kind of whatever his team needed. Well, our team needs for him to score. And so we really tried in the spring like, you know, hey, like he had a tough tournament, you know, he had some some tough games, but he's our guy. And and you're going to have some growing pains with somebody that you know has the ability to be an all-conference level player. And, And we've had those, but you kind of see the benefits here because he's really taken off.
0: Yeah, he has. Brayden Smith up in points, assist, field goal percentage, three-point percentage uh, in about the same minutes. Matt Painter with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, I'm just, I am just—I was just smiling. You mentioned Maui a couple times. Did you ever look in the crowd and see some of the outfits that the Purdue fans had? You had a Darth Vader mask and everything else in attendance in Maui. It's quite impressive.
1: I, I I do not. <laughs> That's <laughs> all we I talked about. I, <laughs> yeah, if I, if I walk on the court and I see I always see those guys when I walk on the court oh, yeah. with those with those crazy <laughs> suits. I see them. Yeah, Purdue- but I don't. Yeah, there's uh, stuff going on around me that I don't think. Yeah, i would say kind of worried about the next play. I would say
0: Purdue had the craziest uh, fans there, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned getting two transfers in just three years, which, by the way, coach, is a crazy number. Lance Jones comes in, averaging about 11 points per game for you. What has he brought to your team this season so far?
1: You know, just giving us some quickness, really kind of offsetting some things for Braden. That, that helps Braden in his load in terms of having another guy that can guard the basketball, having another guy that could push the basketball and use his quickness. Um, but a good guy, just a guy that's no different than David Jenkins. They really fit into our program, got a good way about him, competitive, um, just kind of learning you know, how we do things and the, and the details of things. I think that's an important piece because the details are important. you got to compete within the rules that you have. And he's a competitor and got to get him kind of up to speed there. And, and he's growing in that area. But um, he's been great. He, he's really given us what we needed.
2: Uh, Matt Painter with us here. Obviously, Arizona and Purdue, it is sold out coming up four thirty. On Saturday, inside of gamebridge Fieldhouse, Coach. I know uh, Nate Oates had some comments. Uh, I think earlier this week on Zach Eating, how he's officiated uh, in that game on Saturday. Obviously, that's been a hot button topic. I think for you as well over the past couple of years. How have you mm-hmm. seen Zach being officiated this year on both ends of the floor?
1: Yeah, well, you know, last year we had, you know, we had a stretch where it was really bad and it was high level officials refing our game, kind of like they were refing like. The rules were different, and that's the only thing that I've been able to say um, is just make it consistent. Like you, You can't get a coordinator of officials or the head of officials on a national level to say we have two separate rules, but yet we had two separate rules last year for a while. And how he got officiated was different than how everybody else got officiated. And they're acting like he's getting the benefit of the doubt, and it's the flip of it. So it really shows their lack of intellect when it comes to basketball. If you actually – you can't sit there and look at a box score or you can't sit there and not watch every play and then go back. Um, The start of the Alabama game, like twice he gets wrapped up, he gets wedged, no call, no call. I'm like, man, here we go. And then all of a sudden they picked up on it. So when you go back, you got to be able to go back and say, okay, 1742, right there, first half. Go back and look at this. All right, 1555 in this. Go back and look at this. You can't sit there in theory and speak on something without giving support. It's like going into court and saying, hey, here's my theory, but then you don't back up your theory. And the jury and the judge are looking at you like, hey, hey man, like – you got to convince us here. You just can't go out and say something. How we've gotten to where people that don't understand something speak on something publicly is crazy to me. That's crazy to be like me popping up and say, okay, here's what we're going to do in this chemistry lab. All right, guys? And then people that are chemists would sit out there and go, no, no, that, that's, that's <laughs> not it. Like that's just not – so like now like this allows – you know, people to talk, it's what talk radio is, you know, and now it's just gotten to a new level, but with him, you can't wrap your hands around him. You got to play legal defense. You can't stick your knee up right there. You can't put two hands in his back. You can't like any good official will tell you, you can't mess with the shooter. Any official will say that you'd like, man, he barely hit him on the elbow. Yeah. Well, if you're shooting a 20 footer and you barely hit someone on the elbow, it affects the outcome. You can't mess with the shooters. So a lot of what they've done. So we go into the Northwestern game this year and the year before it was just a joke. I mean, one of the worst officiated games I've ever been a part of and they go into it and we go back and they miss three really crucial things at the end of the game. But I'm so excited that they actually ref pretty well for 38 minutes. Like I'm just like afterwards we got beat and I'm like, Hey man, These guys did a great job. I go back and watch the film. They had three major misses at the end of the game, but I could care less. I I was like, hey, man, you you guys were fair. You were consistent. You missed some at the end, but at the end of the day, like compared to last year, you know, you guys are great. You need a raise. And so I was like, like, this is fabulous. Like, whatever. So that's what we need. We need consistency. The guys that go out, like we play Marquette. Okay. This is a great example. We've, they foul 18 times. We foul 11. We had the fewest amount of fouls in the country last year. Okay, So just take that for you know, 362 teams. We are the fewest amount of fouls because we work on not fouling. And Marquette fouls us twice at the end of the game on purpose because they're behind and they have to. So it's really 16 to 11. When you start that game and you watch how they officiate, they get it right away. Bang. He held him. Bang. They get this. They get this. They get this. Now, for 34 minutes – we have a really good game with not a lot of fouls called all because they started the game. They wrapped him up foul. They hook him foul. They just get it right away. And now they don't have to mess with this stuff for 40 minutes because now that team adjusted Marquette adjusted. They were trying to switch ball screens. They had mismatches, you know, and, then the rest of the game is just easy. And so that's all they have to do. But when they sit there and they don't see it, the thing that they miss officiating that's different than most is he will swallow you up on the baseline. What I mean by that, if you're the baseline official and you're sitting there and you've got to look through that defense sometimes, how they foul him and what they do, whether they're holding him, whether they're locking him, whether they're pushing him, All right, sometimes it's subtle, but subtle things don't move him very much. What happens is that outside official – my terminology is not going to be great because I'm not an official. That outside official that's at the angle, he's got to be able to look through and see all that and and really come in and help that baseline guy because Zachary's so big, he takes all that stuff up there. So when I see all that stuff, because obviously I go through things for, you know, looking for Arizona stuff, looking for recruiting stuff – and I see this stuff and then like i didn't listen to that guy who spoke on another day, but I see like just w- whatever the headlines are because i 'm not reading it um, every now and then i 'll jump into it and read it it 's crazy to me because you got to be able the good ones that go out that that follow basketball they always just you know they always will show the clips to support what they 're saying, but it 's just the consistency of refing and understand that you can 't go in as a ref as a theory and say here we 're going to let you play today guys we 're going to call it close today guys you 've got to call the fouls that are in front of you, you got to, you know, you got to understand advantage, disadvantage, but you also got to be together as a crew. So if you got a new crew and they come into the game and they've never watched clips on Zach Eadie, or they've never watched Purdue play, you got to do your homework. Like I'm watching Arizona, Tommy Lloyd's watching Purdue. If we got three officials on our game on Saturday and they've never went through and watched Arizona play or watched Purdue play, and they don't have a feel for those things, then they're not doing their homework. But on a guy like this that's different like that, you just got to know. You got to know what's real. You got to know what's fake. You got to know what affects things. And then you got to be consistent. To be able to go at the end and say, hey, he gets fouled, you know, the most and he gets called the most, you know, and then not look at the real game and say, hey, man, you know, he gets – the the reason he gets away with stuff, like sometimes he fouls and doesn't get it called and coaches lose their mind is because those officials as human beings, they know – that they're passing on stuff at the other end. And even though he's getting the most calls, he still gets passed on those calls the most. So now they're sitting there going, dang, that could have been a foul. That could have been a foul. I didn't call that. So then Zachary fouls at the other end, and then they're like, well, I'm letting him get fouled. So you, you get into that whole mind game of things, and you don't have to get there. Just call them. And then when, the, when they do call the easy and the obvious ones, he's, he's running through lineups. You know, he's, he's fouled out the starter. He's fouled out the power forward. He's fouled out the backup center. And now it just accumulates, and now we're living at the free throw line, which we want to do. So that's all we want. You know, we want the same rules for him as everybody else. He
2: is Matt Painter. And again, Purdue and Arizona coming up 4.30 on Saturday. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Last one I wanted to throw your way. You mentioned earlier about Braden Smith and you kind of laid out some of the qualities that you liked about him in the recruiting process. I want to flip it the other way. What turns you off from a recruit, whether it's what you're watching on the floor or what you potentially have to deal with off the floor?
1: Yeah, you know, it's more, more or less like when you you get everybody. You have to understand that. So if I sign a player, you, you get them all. You get Uncle Billy, you get their parents, you get their coaches. You, get, I mean, just be consistent, you know, as a coach of knowing, hey, this has worked for me and this hasn't worked for me. And, and, and don't put any personal strikes on it. It's just sometimes things work for you at a certain school or a certain conference or a certain personality or whatever it might be. So just try to understand what's worked and what hasn't worked and, and stay with that. And understand how they fit in and how they're going to come in because you can get some guys that are really hard workers, but is their passion basketball? Their passion has to be basketball because it's going to get hard and it's going to get tough, and you got to be able to fight through adversity. So, our staff has done a really good job. Um, People put a big emphasis on recruiting. I put a big emphasis on evaluation, knowing who you're getting, knowing who you're signing. Can they come in and be able to play right away? If they don't, can you still grow them to where now they have a chance to develop and, and, and help your team down the road and kind of live and understand what's worked? So, um, you know, for us, you got to get out there and watch too and don't let other people do your work. Like I really like certain guys and like other people don't. And then like they come back and say, well, how would you see that? Well, shot 48% from three. He had a three-to-one assist turnover ratio. He makes 84% of his free throws. He lives in the gym. He's a simple person. He has no baggage. His parents are cool. Um, like, you know what I mean? I don't want to deal with crap. I just don't want to deal with it. And so, like, if somebody, like, is a really good player and all this, but then the, the person that's handling them, you know, is you know is a pain in the ass, like, I don't want to deal with it. So I just go another direction. Before you take, then you get mad and you're like, what do you mean? The the guy that's next to him was a pain in the ass the AAU coach. And when they start complaining on the phone to me about the AAU coach and the high school coach, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> hey, guys, get guess who's next? The yeah. old college coach. He's next. And so it's like, like they'll be like, whenever they ask me stuff, I always say, hey, coach, what do you think? I said, I think I want to coach him in college. And they go, well, what do you mean? Like, no, 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 what do you think about like this right here? I go, no, I'm, I'm not doing that to somebody that people do that to me. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to say, like, hey, man, why would you do that and say that about me when you've never been in our practices, you've never even met me, you don't even know how I treat people. Like, like why would you do that? So I'm not going to flip around and now do that to a high school coach, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm going to support him and say, like, hey, man, he's the high school coach. He's in charge. Like, that's, that's just that. I'm, I'm, I just want to coach him in college. Yeah, but, you know, what do you think here? So they get into all that and they make it worse. And it's just like back up. That's what I always say, like, you know, hey, with my kids, I just, just be their dad, period. Don't be their coach. Like, be their dad. Like, I'm the coach of the players I'm producing. I'm not somebody else's coach. If you want to come and join our team, now I'm your coach. But, like, just keep things in checks and balances. And I think it really helps the kid because they get a lot of pressure on them. They get a lot of things coming their way, and they read everything. So, like, they get on a high level when they do well because so many nice things get said. And all of a sudden, like, hey, you're 9-1 and, and you lose one game, and now you're the worst player in the world. No, you're not the worst player in the world. You had a tough game. We got outplayed. Let's try to fix it. Let's work on it. But at the end of the day, it's it's basketball. Like, it, it's not who you are. And sometimes when you're younger, you, you kind of look at that and get that twisted. It's our job to make sure we keep things in perspective for our players.
2: Should be a lot of black and gold in the building Saturday afternoon and hopefully again in March for a couple games for Matt Painter's Boilers. Coach, can't thank you enough for the time on this Wednesday morning. Safe travels down here, and uh, good luck the rest of the year.
1: Cool. Thanks, guys.